Welcome, everybody, to the Competition Archery Media Podcast, where we explore all things pertaining to competition archery. I'm your host, PJ Riley, and the CAM Podcast is brought to you by O'Neill's Classic Archery. We got an in-house podcast today with CAM manager, Josh Grind. What's up, PJ? Josh, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming down from your upstairs <laughs> office. I'm looking forward to it. Conversation, I think, that you and I need to have and help people understand what cam is, why we do the things we do, yeah. what, what floats then not floats, what determines some of our decision-making process and, and that kind of stuff. Cause I think there's a lot of speculation on what you do, what I do, what we do for archery. So I wanted to have a conversation with you. So the impetus for all of this, for the bigger discussion, of course, is we're coming into the classic, the ASA classic, and we had to make a change in what gets broadcast. We're going now with women's and men's known and unknown and on the uh, sportsman's channel broadcast everything will still be broadcast right. on youtube on our youtube and facebook but now what won't be seen on the sportsman's channel will be senior pro that's getting moved now to just the online broadcast and women's known pro is moving into their spot right so how did we get there? <laughs> How did we get there? <laughs> well, we we brought in two known classes on the AS or two yeah two known pro classes on the ASA this year with the senior known pro and the women's known pro. This is their first year; they didn't exist before. Correct, first year. Okay, and so that that piece happened. Manufacturers ASA got together and said it's not, you know this is necessary. Um, then. Cam had to kind of figure out, okay, what do we do with this, right? And so at the time, adding an additional hour to the broadcast wasn't really an option through Sportsman's Channel um, because of other commitments they had. Also, there was the conversation of how long is too long and, and all of that stuff. And, and so we had to evaluate. And there was a lot of push early on to just do that. You know, that I think there was a consensus of, hey, put men and women's known, men and women's unknown in the shoot downs that probably is going to generate the most interest. And I want to backtrack, but we'll do it again on what, what we actually see from competition archery media as the benefit to TV, but we'll get there. So in the beginning, I wasn't comfortable making that switch. And, um, while a lot of the sponsors were like, Hey, this is, this is where the bulk of our money goes. This is where the bulk of our advertising happens. They should be on TV. I didn't have any stats. You and I talked about it. It was all based on kind of an assumption of what was going to be best, right? Right. And we should so, say we have two hours. Right. That's what we got. With the two new th uh, classes, it's generally three hours. Right. Doesn't fit. Right. So that's why we And with it not fitting, you and I had conversations. I had conversations with the sponsors about what to do. And, and we kind of came to the general consensus that we would evaluate it, right? That we would wait until we had some statistical facts of what was generating the most interest. And we would revisit it mid-season. And that was a conversation we as a, a team had at CAM as well as with our key sponsors for cam and because the, that decision, the TV, the broadcast really comes down. It, it's on the campsite because right. they're the ones selling the advertising. They're the ones generating views. So, you know, the marketing dollars are coming into cam for that to do the production, to deliver, st deliver advertising to the sponsors. So we said, well, we'll evaluate it mid season, mid season. The trend was, you know, we, we were starting to see a trend. 
Um, and instead of making a switch midseason, which you know has its own complications, we decided, hey, for a couple reasons. Number one, we don't want to be abrasive in the middle of the season. Number two, we you know with respect to sponsors and shooters, we don't want to you know if they set out with at the beginning of the year with an understanding of how things were going to be, we don't want to switch that midseason. Right. So the the as the stats rolled in, we started to see that okay. The four the four men and women's classes being known and unknown are generating the most interest both on. And I think one of the misconceptions out there is that we just looked at social media being YouTube and Facebook. And so I've heard a lot of, you know, uh, not a lot, but we've, we've heard some of the well, of course, they're going to have bigger numbers because they're not on TV. We did take into consideration the TV stats. Now, they're a little cloudier than than social media where you can just click and see how many used it. We get we get peak numbers. So what we peak out at, you know, our highest viewership live for TV, we get the average and we, we do get kind of a breakdown of how long people watched at what time frame. And again, we could see there the trend being that the focus was was on the known pro open pro and the women's pro. Right. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting in that and just putting out numbers, you know, I hear a lot, well, known pro, you know, nobody watches that. Well, that wasn't accurate either. And there right. are some anomalies in the open pro that if we would, if we would discount the, the bumps in those anomalies that the open pro and known pro actually have almost identical viewership. So, which that, that's not a negative towards anybody. That's, I, I think, a benefit that we need to talk more about. You know, these these additional classes of moving to known have helped across the board. Yeah. And you, know, you get, we'll just say, as Levi Morgan with his hunting show and his YouTube audience, that guy wins a tournament, Open Pro goes through the roof. Yes. But we saw very tight numbers in those three classes and then a, a, pretty, a pretty significant drop. And so looking at that, with both social and TV, like, hey, let's make this move. Now, why did we do it at the Classic? Because we still, you know, there. I understand the struggles for some people to make that during season. Uh, and one of the things that I want to stress with that is, you know, not only were there sponsors that really wanted to see this happen early on, but we also have TV. And on the TV side, the thing I'm taking into consideration is, okay, if we make this move now and it is beneficial, now I have a beneficial in boosting the viewership to TV. Now I can have a conversation with the Sportsman's Channel, say, hey, we've increased views. There is value in this. Could we get another hour? So there's some negotiating tools there that I didn't want to push off for 20. Because just like this decision, every decision we make is, is based on stats and viewership. That's it. Because Well, and to that end where folks are saying, you know, women's known pro isn't on TV. So of course they're going to get more views, but the senior known pro also isn't on TV and they are also, there are two that historically have the lowest views and Hey, this is nothing about the archers, right? Has nothing to do with any kind of prejudice against the archers. This is about who gets the most eyeballs right and the senior known pro also is not on tv and they also do not get the views so that's the the going by oh they're not on tv so of course they get more views yeah yeah and that lets us circle back to what actually is the value of tv right because i think that needs addressed in the current culture 
where a lot of sports are going more to streaming, you know, the, especially the, the smaller, the, the niche sports, they're getting into kind of their own, their own broadcasting, their own right. websites, whether it's, you know, they, they build their own website or they use YouTube and Facebook TV viewership is down across the board. And, and that's whether it's your favorite TV show, your favorite sport and all that's driven on viewership. So we're yeah. not, Cam is not doing anything that the rest of the world is not doing. It's why like some of our favorite shows get discontinued, right? Cause they were our favorite, but they weren't everybody else's. Right. So, uh, you know, there's shows that you fall in love with, you get two seasons and it's gone because the views weren't there. <laughs> and so looking at TV and kind of the direction that's gone with more people cutting cable than ever before. I mean, our focus and most of our views honestly come from social media and YouTube. Right. Where we benefit from TV is the live numbers. You know, we get to say during any of our TV stuff that our live numbers are better than anything else that we do because of that TV boost. But right. when we step back from that and we say, okay, who is our audience? Our audience would be, of course, the archery community that maybe doesn't have access to it. But as I was talking to somebody yesterday, if you have cable in your home, you have access to YouTube free of charge. Right. So where the Sportsman's Channel is, a, you know, if you got Comcast or Dish, you're paying additional for it a package to get the outdoor channels conglomeration channels. Anybody can get YouTube. Right. So it's there. So I do understand there is, but the larger part of the audience that we're trying to get on TV is the people that don't know that we exist. Right. You, you know about our YouTube channel because you're into archery. Right. Sportsman's channel has people on there who like to fish. Right. And then, Oh, here's this archery competition. Right. Let me see what that's about. So yeah. the big benefit would never know about our YouTube channel. Right. And that that is the big benefit of TV, reaching an audience that doesn't know who we are. And so when we when we look at that and we take that into consideration, hey, the archery community has access to this. They they can get, you know, the people that love watching Jeff Hopkins, love watching Tim Gillingham, their family, their friends, they have access to it because the archery community knows where we're at. Right. But that TV portion, it's like people stumbling across it. And and when we look at, okay, if that is our target audience, what is the best product we can put forward? And the only way that we have to measure that is our current viewership, right? right? And so what, if we say, okay, we need to put on TV, what is the four classes that are going to be the most engaging? Well, the only way to measure that is to look and say, okay, which classes are getting the most views? Because they would naturally, you could say, oh, that's your most engaging classes. Yeah. And you put them on. And, and so... By going men and women known, men and women unknown, putting them on TV, we feel like we're putting out the the best possible the best possibility of engaging a new a new archer, somebody that we can welcome into to target or three D archery, whatever it is that they see. And I mean, it's you know one of the harsh realities, and people aren't going to like that I say this, but if you look at sports, that typically is how it works, right? They the PGA is. In prime time, senior PGA, find another way to view it, right? And more to the statistics, too. If you go back, I mean, we have years of statistics and data with the four original classes. Historically, senior pro is the lower performing. Again, right. that's nothing to say about them or what they do or the value of what they do. It just doesn't get the eyeball. These things are on YouTube. They live there forever. So we see what people go back to and watch. I mean, right. they watch them forever. They just don't watch that one as much as the others. Right. And again, you know, 
you stressed it, but it's, it has nothing to do with personalities or individuals and, and zero. It, It comes down to, we got two hours with a three hour product. Something has to get cut. We're only looking at numbers and it's, it's not personal towards a class, an individual. It is all about numbers because at the end of the day, that's what a media company does. Whether it's archery, cars, sports, it comes down to who's going to, how do we get the most eyeballs that we can do right by our sponsors? So Along with that, so we talked about how that happens, you know, then we get into some other things where people say that we prefer known over unknown. (laughs) Right. Well, those people have never spent time with you because PJ loves unknown. (laughs) That's right. I love that game. Um, But it's, you know, we were just talking earlier, then when we get into events, I know this year in particular, you know, at Foley, people are like, oh, you spent so much time with the known. Well, we had two new classes. They were both known classes. So, yeah, at that first event uh, in Foley, we spent a lot of time with the women's known and senior known. They were the two new classes. Right. If you're if I'm a media company coming in, what's the story here? Right. That's the story for that event. Right. And then it turned out that Paige shot a ridiculous score. Right. Um, so. And that's, I think, one of the things that, you know, is good for you and I to communicate how decisions are made. Because we have, we really have three parts to our company, right? So we've got the broadcast and production. That would be the TV, the live stream stuff. Then you've got the media the media coverage portion of it, which has kind of two two legs to that that beast. And the first being deliverables. So the stuff that we pre-plan, right? So the tack on the range, the amateur features, the shot of the week, and those things we can control, they're scheduled. And I think if you look right. back historically, you've done a really good job at bouncing back and forth, you know, a shot of the week, it's, it's one week, you got an unknown shooter and the next year at known. So we really try to highlight everything that ASA or NFA or USA archery, whatever event that we're at to cover, we try to highlight that yeah. pre-plan it and give everybody the coverage. The other leg to that is the media, the true in true definition of a media company, we're there to cover what's newsworthy. What's right? happening. And so like, you know, you brought up fully, well, I've got two examples and we talked about them a little bit. You see so at Metropolis, right? And Metropolis, we went in with our pre-plan where we're highlighting this and known, this and unknown. And we kind of bring balance there. But then what happens after that? We're, it's out of our control. And so you had, you know, Metropolis, if you go back and look at videos, does that feel known heavy? Maybe a little bit, but there's a reason behind that. It wasn't to promote known. It was you had Jimmy Lutz, who at the time is the world archery number two ranked shooter in the world, right? Leading shooter of the year, just switched bow manufacturers the week of the tournament. So that's a story. Well, then the guy go out to the sponsor, to the, to the title sponsor company. Right, right. So, you know, it not, right, not only is it newsworthy, but it has deliverables yeah. attached to it. So, yeah. of course, that's going to become a focus. Well, then the guy goes out and, and Jimmy gone out and shot even for the weekend. That would have been the end of the story. Yeah. Jimmy Lutz, he didn't. He went out and shot 66 ups, sitting an ASA weekend record, and then won the tournament. And then won the tournament. And yeah. so that, of course, that's going to get the news coverage because additional news coverage because it's the sto- it's a story and right. it's it's what is happening and transpiring that we have to communicate. You know, another one of my favorite stories in line with that is, <laughs> you know, you, when you go to an event 
in this story, it's Vegas. You go in with your your pre-production plan, right? These are the things that historically have always been covered. We've got to hit X, Y, and Z for Bruce at NFA. We've got to hit S and T for the deliverables for sponsors and then fit in the news story. Well, I remember it was actually, I had only been working for Cam for a little over a month <laughs> and we were sitting above the, the Western saloon there in the arena that yeah. they gave us this like nasty dust. That's the dirtiest room. I've you ever had been. To, do you remember you had to crawl through a hole to get <laughs> yes. into it? So we crawled into this hole that overlooked the <laughs> arena and there was so much dust and cobwebs oh, It was nasty. and it was, uh, it would, I guess it would have been Sunday morning. Right. Uh, cause that's when, no, Sat, yeah, Sunday morning, yeah, the beginning Sunday of the third. So Sunday morning, we're going through, and we had met prior to Vegas, and we're saying, okay, here's the plan. And I remember you like, <laughs> that's not the plan. And our producer was like, no, no, this is what we have to cover. And you're like, I'm not covering. And you guys got into it. I'm sitting in the corner not saying anything. Like, what did I get myself into? But to your point, you know, at the story that was taking place was Brady Ellison. Had been, he had a perfect 600 up until Sunday. Yeah. Or it's never been done with a recurve before. We don't know if it'll ever happen again. Right. If he, it does, it'll be by him. Right. Probably. Like it's to me, <laughs> one of the most miraculous things that's happened in archery is you have a nine, uh, a recurve shooter shooting a 900 shooting at a Vegas. 900. And well, I thought he had commercials. It right. <laughs> and, and you were adamant that like, I mean, you, you just refused. You said, I'm going to get out and sit my butt in that stand. I'm going to watch Brady because if he shoots a 900, I have got to be there. We got to be there. And (laughs) you did. I I don't know that there was actually a resolution in that dusty closet room other than PJ saying, that's where I'm going to be. And you went down there and Brady shot a 900. And to the point of adjusting, we have the only video coverage. There it is. Recurve guy shoots a 900. That is the only video that exists. Right. Other than people shooting with their cell phones. So did, pro video. Did we miss, did we miss some of the other things that, that took place that weekend? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we did our best to cover and fulfill our deliverables, but yeah, we should say page also shot a 900 and we do have video of that as well. Right. But our main camera is right there. Never, never happened in archer before. Like yeah. this is, this and is hasn't a, since. And, and so there is that with the media side of, of competition <clears> archer <throat> media, the broadcast and production aside, we do have to focus on the stories that are being told. Yeah, and so yeah. one weekend that might be, <clears throat> you know, Dan McCarthy and Levi Morgan and, you know, the one point different shot of the week. So we're going to yeah. camp or a shooter of the year. So we're going to camp out with them. To right? that point when Levi had his string of shooters of the year. And then finally, Dan went into the last day of of the classic. He was going to win. I forget what year it was. It would have been his first shooter of the year since before Levi's streak. Me and Kyle were camped out on him that last right. day. We're like, all right, when he finally locks it up, we're going to be there. Right. And all that to say, like, there's nothing nefarious in your and I's conversations ever about this class or this division or Mm-mm. this person. Like, our, our decisions – on event are strictly made by what what's the story happening out there right now and i'd like to spend more time you know with jason wilkins just in crossbow just because 
guys like the Michael Jordan of crossbow. Well, the, the, <laughs> sto- the story we might have to cover is when he, when he doesn't go on that streak, right? Because <laughs> yeah. at this point, it's like, oh, Jason Wilkins. I mean, yeah, yeah the guys. And there, there are a lot of stories like that at ASAs. At yeah, NFAs, Indoor Nationals, Vegas. There's a lot of those side stories. And I, I wish we could cover them all. Yes. I want, I'm glad we got into that because people say you should cover this and that. So explain why it is we do cover the pros. Right. Well, number one, we're limited by resources, right? Everybody always, it's the number one comment. I say, it's all about money. Well, there's, yeah, there's some truth to that because <laughs> we've got to pay the bills. Yeah. And so we focus on the <clears throat> pros because that's where a lot of the sponsorship requirement comes from. Like, manufacturers, whether it be archery or we've got out, you know, some of these shooters have outside sponsors, those sponsors. I mean, let's just be honest about why they're getting paid as archers and archery, right? There's maybe a handful. It's just because they're that good with the bow, right? That they're actually getting paid to shoot their bow. But the bigger reality is a lot of them are considered part of the marketing staff of whatever sponsor that they're representing. Yeah. And so these manufacturers and, and other archery enthusiasts who have given money to archery, they're paying for advertising from those people and for marketing dollars. So there is, there is a tie there to the pro class um, as well as, you know, again, it comes. So you've got the resources. Let's finish. I got a lot of thoughts on this one, but <laughs> so resources we're limited by time. We, there's only really you and Kyle out there doing content. There's a lot happening at once. Collection, right? You can't, you can't be everywhere. I know everybody would love to see PJ all the time, get their selfies and autographs, but <laughs> it's you and Kyle getting a lot of the content and me supplemental adding in there and, and having a camera, a, a B-roll guy for, for Kyle. But we have to pick and choose because of the resources of people and time. Right. But then you do have a financial you know, there are financial limitations. And while we're talking about it, I think it's a good time to point out, like when competition archery media started, our sponsorship just rolled along with the industry standard. So we didn't, we didn't increase the sponsorship rates as far as I know, I wasn't in the beginning of that, but I I've seen I some historical data and we just yeah. went with industry standard. Mm-hmm. Right. And competition archery media through the development of the trailer and really wanting to increase production and live broadcast put a lot of money into that you know when that trailer when that trailer pulls out whether it's to indoor national nfa indoor nationals usa target nationals and asa there's a lot of money in that uh you got to get that trailer there when we and i've said this and shared this before we've got a staff for a lot for a live production we have a staff of 18 people you know and we're using a mixture typically there's three or four locals that we'll hire to run our stationary cameras because you can get away with that. And so, you know, trying to cut costs there, but we're flying the rest of that team and we're flying in 13 to 14 people every tournament just to put that on. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's worth it because we are seeing the growth of the broadcast and production and, and the conversations that we can allude to a little bit today on what that looks like for sponsorship. Um, it, it's been a really good thing. Um, I hear from several people at the tournaments. I saw it on TV and I thought I'd heard it was coming to town. So I thought I'd try it out. Right. And so because you did the bro- the broadcast and production at really putting a focus in and growing that it, 
you run out of money at some point, right? And, you know, the owners, the founders, Rob and Carol, they, they put money into this every year because they love what it does for archery. But this is right. not a, we don't have unlimited resources in either people or money. And so we have to fulfill deliv- deliverables to sponsors and we have to put out the best product we can. Is there so much more that you and I both, I mean, you and I could sit here for three days on a podcast, just brainstorming great ideas, <laughs> but it comes down to resources. Well, who's going to do it and how in the world do we pay for it? Cause we got to bring more people in because yep. you're, you're tapped out <laughs> and, and then we've got to pay for those people. And so we're just, we're at a position and, and are we having those conversations in a realistic way of how do we get there? Absolutely. But it's not a quick thing. It's not, you just walk in and flip the switch. Right. Right. You know, when you see things are tapped out, you got to make a plan. Okay. How do we make it better? And I think we've, we've got a really good direction moving forward, but it just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, if you've never seen it, we have the, uh, PSEs meet the ASA. That's a feature we do at every uh, ASA tournament where we do go out and highlight uh, one of the other classes, not one of the amateur classes. I think we just did Open 45 was, yep. it, was our last event um, at Metropolis. And just to just to highlight that, because we recognize that those people are out there and our photographer, Nick Kravitz, you know, we have a, a Cam Smug Mug page that he's out there he's shooting everybody right. so photos we are hitting everybody right again if the pros are doing something he has to be there right but when they're not he's out there i mean uh, hey let's talk about nick kravitz right props to the guy um because he gets around <laughs> yeah and i think if you go and look and and so that is you know can be a frustration. Why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And if, but if you look at Nick's body of work, right? So if you open it up and you see, okay, well, there's the pros. We have to have the pros there because that's how it's getting paid for. Right. Because just, we can talk a little bit about photography. Sponsors pay for the high resolution watermark yep. free because they're using it in their advertising. Yes. So they all have access to the photos. That's where they're, instead of every manufacturer having to send a photographer to get them assets for their catalogs, calendars, websites, social media, they're paying for that. Right. And so, but like, I, it would be a lot of pictures because Nick takes a lot of pictures, but I, I would fairly comfortably say that there is almost as many pictures of amateurs and kids. At least. If not, right. If not yeah. more, because he's, he's got Sunday that he can get out there and do it. And so w- there is a real focus. We're not discounting the, the youth and the, the amateurs just understanding these people are paying the bills and because they're paying the bills, it is allowing us to give you. So all those pictures you see of little Johnny or Sally or, or grandpa Joe, that's yeah. all being paid for by the pros and the sponsors. And so, uh, you know, I do think it's valuable to talk about that. It's, it's not favoritism. It's not, it is. And there again, when it goes out, Nick is one guy. So yeah, he's on open 45 range today. He's, that's not a favoritism. It's right. just that's where he was able to get to. Right. Um, and, and I mean, think about it this because everybody, you know, I've, I've heard, well, just, just bring more photographers. <laughs> I, I'm not going to disclose anything that would put Nick's personal information out there, but I, and this is how I explain it to people who maybe don't understand. So the last event that you've done that you hired a photographer for. <clears> so <throat> most people have an idea that a wedding photographer is crazy expensive, right? Yeah. Like wedding photographers are not cheap. Yep. 
what Nick does is not wedding photography. So when you get a wedding photographer and they, they might give you a teaser though on Monday after your wedding of like eight pictures that they've edited right. and it's weeks until you get yeah. the full portfolio of what, what Nick has done is taken thousands of pictures a day, editing them and posting them on yep. the same day. Right. And that, that comes at a cost. Yeah. And so it's not as easy as just, well, number one, there aren't a lot of people that can do what Nick does with the workflow that he has. Right. And it's not cheap to get that kind of work. It is not. <laughs> and to, to get that quality, that's the thing. That, right. Yes, it is true. Anybody can go out there and take a picture. They're not going to look like Nick Kravitz. Photos. And I mean, <laughs> you can see we're not the only, we're not just sitting here blowing smoke because Nick is our employee. You can yeah, see yeah. it in, in the amount of people sharing his photos, commenting. I mean, art, the sponsors and the, and the stuff that he's providing them is fantastic. The pictures that amateurs get to share when he does get your picture. I mean, it, it's top quality. It's, right, right. It's great work. I mean, right. he, and he has had a giant impact, I think, on archery as a whole and how photography is viewed. Because one of the things he's that, famous himself now, right? <laughs> one of the things I love about Nick is yes, he gets the hero shots. And when I say that, you know, the full draw, the release, the arrow flying out, but he really captures. Doesn't matter what event he's at, whether it's break the barriers, indoor nationals, he finds a way to capture the feeling of the event, yeah, right? yeah, Life, yeah. lifestyle pictures, I think a, is what they call it, but a picture of a, someone shooting a bow. Yeah. Anybody can take that, but Hey, it's 118 degrees out and they're shooting a bow. How do you right. capture that in there? Or this person just shot some record score, you know, right. he tells that. a story for yeah, sure yeah. with his photography. So I don't know how yeah. we got talking yeah, we love Nick, you, Nick. Boy, Nick <laughs> got some free publicity there. <laughs> no, but I, I think that um, speaks to just what, you know, what we're trying to do, because, uh, you know, with sticking with Nick, um, you can just take pictures of archers. Does that get people interested in coming out? You know, it's the. He gets families out there. You see the family atmosphere. Right. Oh, okay. Look at that. There's people there, you know, and they're having fun doing what you can tell. They're just having fun. Right. Walking around the ranges or whatever. I think that ultimately what Rob and Carol want to see is more archers. That's, right. that's kind of our overriding mandate is the goal of cam is to bring more people into the yeah. sport. How do we tell the story? How do we show yeah. people what it's like? And and that's really kind of the thought behind everything we do is what story is this telling and how does it draw people in? And it's, and it is a different game. You know, people talk about ah cornholes on TV and gets, you know, all these crazy views and stuff, but cornhole is something that's more accessible, right? Probably everybody has played cornhole at some point. Not everybody has picked up a bow and shot right. it or knows anything about it. Right. And so that's kind of another facet of it. But when we were talking about how cam was created, that got me, that reminded me this logo back here, all this came from me and Silas Cruz driving to the total archery challenge in seven Springs truck ride out and truck ride back. We came up with the name. I don't remember who specifically, but I know we were kicking around ideas. Uh, what's a part of a bow? Oh, a cam. Oh, competition archery media. If anybody cares, that's just. That's how it started. That just made me think of <laughs> how that came up just in a vehicle going to an archery right. event. 
Well, and like cornhole. So you, you brought up other sports there too and alluded to, you know, what other sports are doing. And I think that's one thing as a media company, but also archery as a whole, we do need to take a look at, you know, wh- what are the current trends in both? I mean, we're talking media, so marketing, right? What are the current trends and, and how are organizations, both big and small pro sport levels, whether it's the NFL or the ACL, the cornhole league, what are they doing to reach audiences and how do we not just look in the rear view mirror and say, well, this is what we've done. How do we improve on that? But look ahead and say, what could we do differently? Right. And so I was talking to an archer yesterday and, you know, we were talking about the leader interviews and, and I just was watching your face because I knew how I'd get that. It's like, well, couldn't there be different questions and how do we make those better? It's like, well, again, we're kind of stuck in. It's just always been you stand there and, and I know why. And and it's so that, you know, the archer can talk about their sponsors and, and, and get the PR. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. But it's always kind of been behind a backdrop with you or somebody else just interviewing, asking the same questions. Because how different is the ASA Classic or Indoor Nationals than it was 10 years ago? And sometimes it's even the same shooters. It's like, did you have a good day? Of course I had a good day. I'm winning. What kind of question is that, PJ, right? But you're you're limited to the... Uh, and we've got a... That's bu- the leader interview. Right. That's what it looks like. <laughs> but golf... Baseball doesn't matter. But if you look ahead, like at what some of the other sports, uh, they've they've shrunk those post game interviews down, right? And what are they putting up? Like golf. Golf is I I refer to golf a lot because it's probably has some of the closer similarities. Individual sport, all over the place, hard to televise. We don't have the budget they do to put a target in it. Listen to (laughs) to the audience out there, to everybody listening. Yes, we would love a camera on every stake and every target. And be able to show really what is happening on qualification. We get it. But we don't have the funding of golf. But to the point being, like, if you look at golf, it, what is replacing a lot of those interviews ahead of time or after time is a more produced storytelling piece, right? You've got, like, I was just, what, is it the PGA Championship a few weeks ago? And their interviews weren't taking place in front of an interview backdrop. They were either in a clubhouse on a couch or sitting sitting in the person's home, like if it was somebody who had a big story leading up to it. Right. And so, you know, I joked around with this archer. I was like, so London, like how do we do it different? Right now, we, we can't fly to everybody's home that might be competitive and produce this piece to put out. But instead of you meeting PJ down there, and one of the reasons those are a little shorter is because there's a lot of other stuff going on. Like you're on Friday, on Friday, you're filming shot of the week on Saturday. We've got to get the pre-show produced so that we can get to the broadcast. So we are limited on time. So taking that limitation, looking at like the the leader interviews, which I think by and large, nobody loves, right? I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I mean, you want your time in front of the camera, but nobody's really happy with the, the outcome, right? But like, okay, so... PJ Riley, you just shot 22 up. You're leading going into the shoot down. We use London as an example. You get the power line. Everybody drives back there. Kyle and I are going to jump in the truck. And while we drive out of here, we're going to talk about your day. Talk about London. And just changing this, the scenery, right? right? And making it more storytelling. Because if you look, a lot of times now, it, it is that quick, caught with us, you know, the YouTube shorts, caught with a cell phone, quick interview. And, and put that up. And so there are more creative ways that we can do things if we would take the time to say, okay, this is how we have done it. That aside, what, what's the goal of that? So what was the, what was the goal of the, in front of the backdrop 
personality asking a question. Okay, we don't want to lose the we don't want to lose the objective of giving the shooter their moment and celebrating their manufacturers with them to give them an opportunity. But does it have to be that way? Or can is there a different way we can do it that's more engaging and maybe brings people a little bit more into the who is PJ Riley? And it would and to that end, then there's sacrifices. Again, it probably wouldn't be top three. Right. Probably just go with the leader. Which, you know, right now, after the first round, we take the top three. Right. And so, so yeah, yeah. And that, that's a great illustration of how every decision has a ripple effect through everything else. But I'm glad you brought up uh, doing things a different way. Because this year, Josh, as you know, I think we took the game up a huge notch with we know people want to see on the stuff that's happens right. on the range. They want to see it in the field. And forever the standard has been stand there with a cell phone camera and get this shot. And you're standing behind the archer and the target's down there and you don't know what happened right. or any of that stuff. So our video producer, Kyle Kovalarch, figured out a way that we could do it. It's not live. We do it as if it's live. And then we upload it later just for simplicity live signal out there you never know what's going right. to happen it's probably going to drop on a 15 20 minute video but multiple cameras what do we use kyle three we have three cameras out there got a target cam you got a shooter cam a general camera i do commentary talk about what's happening and we see the reception that we're getting it's a monumental effort oh, for <laughs> to sure. get that thing off the ground. I think at the last one, I had the camera pan over to show what we set up to make that right. happen. And it's ridiculous. But all that stuff has to get hauled out there. And where was it? In Fort, uh, in Minden. To get that out on the range, there was a huge mud swamp. So we had to carry everything in. All this stuff we had to carry out there. And then to do it, and we turn it around, it's that day, right, Kyle? We put it yeah, out. Yeah, he puts it out that afternoon. It goes out that day. Right. So there was one where we we knew. We were like, this on-the-range stuff, just the stuff that we do there and publish right away. Now, we always had a on-the-range feature that came out the next week, but we knew. We were like, this just isn't it. Right. We're not getting it. And so we figured it out, and it's a big effort and it, oh, yeah. there's a lot of equipment. <laughs> yeah, it's I not mean, simple. Just that, I mean, uh, when Kyle and I were talking about that setup and by the way, you referred to him as our video editor, I think video producer, official title, at least at ASA when he has his Jersey on, he's just the cameraman. <laughs> he's just the cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's hitting it out of the I'll, park. Is just a cameraman. I'll say but, that to a story that comes from in Foley. Someone came up to us. We were standing, me and Kyle were standing out there and they're talking to me. You know, they see me on there and they turn to Kyle and say, what are you, just the cameraman? (laughs) (laughs) If you know the story, Kyle's the one who really is the guy who does the stuff. I'm just the idiot with the microphone. But I love that moment. And again, you, you talk like we, we talked about Nick, and I think it's important to realize the level of talent that are, are helping us because it's not you and I, right? Like right. I, I say yes and no, you stand in front of the camera. That's it. 
but somebody like Kyle and, and his workflow, like there's a lot of events that after the fact you see really good videos. There's not a lot of events <laughs> where you see the quality of work that Kyle's putting out. So like yeah. at an ASA, that introduction video, he films it on Thursday puts his hoodie on, turns the lights off, turns the AC down, sits in a cave for hours on Thursday night to make sure that that, because it's, it's timely, right? It needs yeah. to be out to start the tournament. And so Kyle sits there and does that work. And so it's, you say all that one to give props to the awesome team that we have, but also like these, these people that are working for it, they don't have downtime. You know, they, Kyle's right. going from seven in the morning till one or two o'clock at night sometimes shooting the video through the day when the archers are there, when we all go out to dinner and the archers all go out to dinner, Kyle's going back to the hotel to edit those videos. Yep. So there is, that comes back to that. We do have some limitations <clears throat> with resources, but to come back to the, on the range, you know, Kyle, when he kind of came up with this idea and knew what he would need. Okay. Well, there's an investment in that, not only in the resources and time of we've got to set it up takes time. You've got to film it. That takes time. Teardown takes time. And then you've got to get somewhere with solid because a lot of those videos are 30 minutes. Yeah. So you got to get somewhere that you can upload a video in 30 minutes that is not going to take five hours. So a lot of times it involves Kyle jumping in a car, driving back to the hotel, going somewhere in town. So you've got time resources, people resources, and money resources because the equipment that we're needed to pull that off, absolutely necessary. The ROI we're seeing on the viewership and the comments and how much people are enjoying it, totally worth it. But it goes into a but bigger picture of decisions that you have to make. Right. Yeah. And decisions. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that one, I was just, it was cool to see that one play out to what it is because I think that's what we always knew it could be. And we had tried doing live things in the past and it, it just doesn't work. The right. signal drops out and then the whole thing is shot. I mean, we've got encoders and all <laughs> kinds of stuff that we tried out there to get something that would look like what Kyle has put together. And, and hopefully we get to a time where we can solve the internet issues and it could be something that we run live because and there to the point we try to switch between known and unknown. You know, we'd like to feature everybody, right? can't do that just not and that stuff that we set up once we set up it's not real mobile we go one place and that's it (laughs) (laughs) we set it up and that's it so well cool um yeah i like this just giving folks kind of behind the scenes uh you know of what competition archery media does how how we do what we do how we come to decisions um and yeah it's it's uh I think, you know, maybe one of the things people don't realize that you were talking about is the commitment when everybody's there at that event. Man, if if I think if people could see the effort and commitment that people put in, they they appreciate what we do. I know it, but I think that would notch it up a little because it's not just. You're just not, you're not there clocking in no. and doing your job for the day that if you do that, you don't last very long. No, you're not, you're not going to make it on the team. And I mean, no. we've got the production guys too, you know, I think like what happens, yeah. maybe we just tell briefly what it takes for us to pull off a TV production. So our, our core guys, there's only four of them. So the core guys fly in, they typically get in, they work full-time jobs. Yep. So they leave you know, sometime Thursday evening, fly through the night, usually arrive between midnight and three o'clock in the morning. 
and are on site at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and work till midnight that night because they've got to run all the cables, set up the cameras. And, and these guys don't have to do it. You know, it's like they're, they're coming out there. This is their TV guys. So this is an area where they get to work in their passion and have fun, but they, they truly care. I mean, Jason, who is our technical director, the guy calls me all the time. How, how do we make it better? What, what are, are we okay? What, what can we do? I mean, he truly is invested in the work that we do. And those guys will work all day Friday. Then they're there first thing Saturday morning. You've got rain, storms. If you're outside, you've got foxes chewing through fiber optic cables, dump trucks running over cables. And Jason there, you know, an hour before we go, we go live. Jason's like, everything's a mess. And that guy somehow, you know, hair on fire, trailer about let's, to come unglued. Let's talk about some of them. Bowfest, when we were going there. There was a power cord that we were supposed to plug into that we were all expecting. The day before the event, they decided to put in a sidewalk and went right over the cord and cut that cable. So there was no more power. So they had this like World War II surplus generator out there (laughs) that had connections that matched nothing. Jason says, oh, I can fix that. He cuts our main cable cord, goes to the hardware store, buys this connection, wires it all together, plugs it in, and we're good to go. That's the day of the event. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's just to have someone capable of doing that. And, I mean, you've seen him there. He panics but doesn't panic. Right. He, He can fix stuff. And it's just Metropolis. I forget how many years ago we got like three inches of rain in a half hour. Everything, all the fuses blew and he had his back up and running as soon as that storm went. So, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's an incredible it's an incredible team of people that work their butts off um, because they love what they do and they see the value in it. Yeah. And uh, it, it is a lot of fun. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, a lot of work. But like you said, if it's if we get somebody on the team that thinks they're coming in and Clocking in at eight and clocking out at five. <laughs> uh, they're not going to last real long. That's not going to work. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, and we talked about Kyle and PJ and the production or Kyle and <clears throat> Nick and the production crew. I think we would be amiss not to talk about you and the role that you play in competition this archer media. Sit here with the microphone. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing that... <clears throat> In all of the conversation that we had, I think that the thing that I would want people to hear the most is PJ's for archery, right? And it's yes, known archery, unknown archery, amateurs, you love archery. I like shooting my bow. Right. And you, the decisions you make are just always sometimes in the moment. And we've made, you and I, we both made wrong decisions, right? But in in the moment, we're making decisions on what's best for archery. What's going to help grow this thing? And I think that the amount of effort that you put in, you don't just walk around with, I think a lot of people think, well, PJ just walks around when camera comes on, you know, PJ starts Saturday morning. (laughs) He will, he's usually the first one on the ranges because he goes out and he moves the scoreboards at really for ASA, but Cam needs the, the information yeah, to post. We need the boards. So PJ's out there moving boards because they're not on the same range as they were the day before. Then he's helping run scores so that we can make sure that we get our scores posted in a timely manner. And sometimes that's a feat in and of itself. You know, Fort Benning, you got to take pictures, jump in a vehicle, drive somewhere, upload them, get back. All while trying to also cover the event with your cell phone and talking to people. If, if Kyle's 
busy somewhere else. I mean, you'll do whatever it takes to get a story out. And then you leave there, you go, you do interviews, then you're straight into the broadcast. And people are like that sitting there in that commentator booth and with all the information that you have to not only retain, but you, a lot of times you have to get that information. You know, you've shooters never been in a shoot down oh, before. So man. you're, you're running around chasing people down. Like, Hey, where are you from? How long Live you been shooting? TV is nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, you're, you're going nonstop. And so whether it's Rob and Carol and the money they invest in it, Kyle and the team and, and the work that they do, the stuff that you put in, this really is a labor of love for a sport that we all love so. and yeah. we want to see grow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I would put that effort into it if it was cornhole. Sorry. <laughs> I've played cornhole, but it just wouldn't be the same. <laughs> no. So it, it's, it's a great group of people and uh, we, we love what we do and we, that does require some tough con conversations and decisions sometimes that yeah. again, you know, I think as we bring this to a close is never personal. Nope. No, absolutely. Not there, not amongst us, not amongst the archers, not right. never personal. So, so hold on a second. I want to turn this around. Okay. Cause you're always, you're always part of this conversation with me. Okay. The, the schedule of events that cam puts out and, and how we, for lack of a better term, pick and choose what events we go at. What, what is the driving factor in that? When Cam puts out a schedule, so we're going to do a full broadcast production here. We can do supplemental coverage here. These events, unfortunately, we can't cover. How does Cam go about putting that schedule together? I mean, initially, I believe it's, well, can I even say it? It's who wants us. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with there are organizations that actively are like, yes, we want you to come to us. And then there are sponsors as well who say, we want you to cover this. Right. Um, and so that's, those are our priority events. Right. Um, for where we go and what we do and then time. Right. I mean, you know, you can't do them all. The first year, first year of cam, we did 15 events. 15 events. That was too much. That was too much. Uh, and the, you know, the team was not much smaller, but it's like, whew. right. <laughs> that was a lot. I think I was on the road in five months. I was on the road, something like 90 some days. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. Well, and there's a couple of things in that. Number Wear one, tear. everybody on our team with the exception of me, has other job responsibilities, whether it's at yeah. Lancaster Archery or their their own business if they're a contractor. And so we are limited by time. I do want to briefly touch on the sponsorship piece there because there's a lot of great events that we'd love to cover. For sure. It does come down to you work with the organizations that are really putting us, you know, want the coverage and are putting on a show that that is is something that we can take and produce and, and make something that's in, watchable. Uh, but there's a misconception there that I think there's some value in addressing. And that's these organizations like, well, they just go to the organizations that will pay them to do it. Well, that, that's not an, that's not an accurate statement. So there, there's no organization that is paying cam to come and do their, do media coverage. They may help. They may do things like, you know, provide hotel rooms and that kind of stuff. But the, 
which helps, which helps immensely. Right. Like, and that's fantastic. What it really boils down to though, is the sponsors of competition archery media that need to get marketing deliverables from those events. So they're, they're integral part of this conversation and and discussion about how we develop a calendar and where we're going to get the most value. And so with those limitations mentioned, there is something that I think like as a whole, the archery industry could, you know, this is not a pass the buck. This is a, Hey, let's all work together on this. Cause one of the things that we see in, in marketing as a whole, and I'll use this example, I'm working with a, a, a global sponsor right now is a global corporation, huge, huge company. They've got multiple asset or uh, multiple different veins of their business that would be applicable for sponsorship in archery. And one of the things I've had, cause I, I actually had a conversation with the, the North American marketing director for this company. And I kind of asked, I was like, why, why archery? And they, for a couple of reasons, you know, we fit a, we fit a demographic of people that they're, they're trying to market to in the outdoors, men and women. But the bigger reason was them looking internationally at their marketing plan, right. And realizing the way that current trends are going in the world, that the TV advertisements, the, the printed advertisements, a lot of the advertising of the past isn't effective any longer. And so they're looking at story. T- I mean, their exact words. Does anybody place a newspaper ad anymore? Uh, you're the newspaper <laughs> guy. So, um, but they're looking at, you know, their exact words to me were storytelling and influencers and not influencers in the sense of like TikTok influencers, but I mean, I'm sure people are starting to pay attention to that, but what they're really looking at is how do they tell the story of their brand through people that believe in their products? And so they're looking at archery and they're saying, okay, we, we've, we've got an audience that we want to hit and you have access to the storytellers and the influencers within that sphere of influence. And so they're, they're reevaluating their entire global plan. So what does that look like for archery? Right. And I think there's an opportunity for us to, for the archery industry, this is not a competition archery media conversation. This is a, for us as archery, it's never been easier. Because all it takes now is, is somebody to, you know, my daughter went to Bass and Bucks, right? And, and they did, they turned on their, uh, you know, I don't know if they had a camera or the cell phone cameras you have, but it is so easy to create content anymore and content is driving everything. So we're not passing off the media responsibilities. Cam, Cam owns that and, and other media companies that are doing the work, we'll do the, we'll do the, the heavy lifting, but to the archery clubs, the shooters, individuals create content. I mean, it, some of our best Chris Hammond, we, we were in Fort Benning and there was a shoot off that we were tied up somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Remember? And Chris Hammond whipped <laughs> out his cell phone and videoed it for us. My phone had no more memory stored on right. there. And so then, Chris did it for so me. <laughs> Chris, Chris filmed this thing. Then we had issues. We couldn't get it out right away because we couldn't, your phone was all jacked up and <laughs> yeah. he couldn't airdrop it. But the, the point of that story is we didn't get it up till Monday or Tuesday. And it's, it's a cell phone shot video, right? Yep. The last it time was I, irrelevant. The last time I looked, that thing had like 20,000 views and it's, <laughs> it's probably well over that now. Yeah. The point of that is it, we're, we live in a, in a digital age where content is so easy to create as an industry, we should all be doing whatever we can to create content. So it, you're at the local, the local club and you're doing a fun shoot. 
make some, create some content. Let's build that brand of archery in a world that is moving towards that kind of content, you know, and, and it's, it's never been easier. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us as a whole to, to really be generating content, putting out stuff that is telling the story of competitive archery, whether you shoot 50 meters, indoors, 3d field, whatever, tell the story, pull, pull out a phone. I hate being on the phone. Fine. Pull it out and, and take a picture of people laughing, somebody shooting it and, and just tell the story and show people that we're having fun. I just saw a real tree short on Hannah Barron that how she got started was uh, they were noodling catfish for years. Someone took a cell phone video of her and her dad noodling this catfish. And she said, that's what started her whole thing. Yeah. She just put it out there and then started doing more of that. And now, you know, noodling, everybody does that. So, so I think, you know, there is again, not passing the buck or saying this is anybody else's responsibility to carry the burden. I think we say, okay, you know, the, the media companies that are, and you know, there's some others popping up and that's awesome. I think that also needs to be on the air. We, we do not want, uh, to, to be the one and only show like there, there needs to be, there's so much happening and so much that can be covered. We'll do whatever right. we can to help anyone come along and, and help us cover this sport. That's the media stuff, but archery as a whole and as, as a sport, as a family and friends thing, we've got an opportunity that we've never had before and, and how easy and it is and how accessible the world's become to share that content with them. And uh, I think if we do that, we can get that story out there and and really see this thing take off. And I mean, again, nothing happens overnight. I can't just flip a switch, but the conversations that we're having and, you know, the, the things that's helping me understand with some major sponsors that are looking at storytelling and branding, uh, we, we can hit a home run here. And yeah. I'm, I'm super optimistic about the direction. I know there's a lot of negativity out there, but uh, if we... We put some work in together, both as media companies and as shooters and people who love the sport. Uh, we've, we've got a great opportunity. I'm excited about where we could go. All right. Great place to end it there, Josh. Thanks, everybody. That was another episode of the Competition Archery Media Podcast. Josh, thanks for walking down from upstairs to sit down here. <laughs> thanks for talking with me, PJ. <laughs> Folks, the Competition Archery Media Podcast you can find on all the platforms wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thanks for being here today.